0: compelled to share a testimony with you. Uh, this last service we had a guy come up to me uh, and last week he stood in his house. He got into an argument with his wife. and he went into his bedroom and he got a loaded gun. He put this loaded gun to his head, and he pulled the trigger two times. The gun was loaded. You think about this song, it's your breath and our lungs. We pour out our praise. This man, this morning, coming forward, was praising God in a different way than we can think or understand. His life was spared. God intervened, stepped in, and saved his life. Another guy here at the church that works with him, just begin to share Jesus with this guy. This week he got saved. This week he accepted Christ. So not only is physical life spared, but now he's been transformed from a kingdom of darkness and separation from God into a kingdom of light. Amen we're going to sing a song called Life Defined. It's from Galatians 2.20. And it really is an anthem. It's a cry. My life is going to be defined by the death of Jesus on the cross. This substitutionary death in my place. That is what my life is going to be defined by. Amen. Today is better with you than all the world, oh spirit of life, help me remember that it is my pleasure to say to
1: you that all I am, my life divine. I've been crucified with pride. Christ who
0: in us promise that by faith you'll make your home among men right in our hearts Lord how can it be
1: remember his atoning his body broken for me His approval He gave His life to say so Remember His appealing For right now
0: We're going to sing a song again, Here's My Heart. And it is a prayer song. And I want to encourage you. I've I've asked you to be seated. But if as we sing this song, you just feel like, I can't stay seated, Josh. JB, I'm not going to stay seated. I need to stand. I need to raise my hands to the Lord in surrender to say to Him, Here's my heart. Hey, let God lead you. But I want this to be a prayer for us. You know, Ryan's going to come up and share a message right after we sing this song. So, as we sing this song, we're saying, Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Change me. Make me different than I am. Would you do that? Let's just close our eyes. Just lift up that prayer to God. Lord, we say, Here's my heart. Lord, we declare the things that are true, that were found, that were yours, that were loved, that by your blood we've been made pure. God, that we have life and breath. Lord, we're reminded through miracles this morning that the very breath that we have is from you. Lord, that we've been healed, that we've been made free, free from that old life. And Lord, so we say to you, here's my heart. Speak what is true, Lord. Speak what is true.
1: Here's
0: my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. You are strong, you are strong, you are alive,
1: You, you are good, always true. i my life.
0: Is true to us. You are truth. You'll never lead us the wrong way, Lord. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We say, Here's my life, here's my heart. God, we pray. You would open your word to us. Use Pastor Ryan this morning in a powerful way, Lord. Teach us, Lord, what it means to give like you gave to us, sacrificially, following your example. one way we can come to you, God, and it's through your Son, Jesus. And so we come, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Well, good morning, friends, and uh, welcome to Radiant Life. And um, I said it last service, our, our worship team just does a great job leading us to God's throne room every Sunday, and it's sometimes hard to get up. And speak after. But uh, great job uh, to the worship team. Thank you for leading us well. Uh, I've been gone for the last two weeks. And uh, I come back and nothing's been burnt down or anything. So uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Brandon spoke on his word, verse four, little word seek. Last week, we got to hear Pastor JB uh, share his story of uh, drug addiction and God setting him free in uh, that as well. And uh, can we just give a hand for our team and our changemakers and just thank the Lord? It's so refreshing to know that uh, my family can take time away and not worry about what is happening, and it's so awesome. But uh, hey, welcome to what was supposed to be our last week of our summer teaching series, Four Letter Words, but I really felt like God had one more week for us. So I extended this series just by next week, and we'll wrap it up next week. And I want to say this, if you ever felt down and out in life, you want to come next week. You want to come anyways. But uh, if you ever felt that, um, I really feel like this is the capstone of of our, of our series together, and that'll be next week. But since I've been gone for two weeks, there's some things that has happened um, here in the church, and I just got to Say it before we jump in to what our four-letter word is. Is um, We've had some little staff-like rearranging of our staff pieces here at Radiant Life. Pastor Patricia is actually getting married in 40 days. She is getting married. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, her fiancé is a, you got to say it that way, um, is a dairy farmer, and she'll be moving to Coldwater, Michigan here shortly after her wedding because now she's going to be living on a farm with a bunch of cows. And so that's going to be her life. So Patricia will still be on staff, just significantly different role because of life changes. God has an awesome, you know, future and family for her in store. And so her, she's going to go part-time role here at the church. And she's in charge of all of our, like, communications and marketing and social media stuff. All the design stuff is still hers. You'll see less kind of of a... If you haven't noticed the last couple weeks, just less of a stage presence because now she is starting kind of a new life. She is still using our parsonage until the marriage takes place, and then her move will take place after that. Uh, So she's still on staff. You're just going to see a little bit less face time with her. If you really, really miss her, come to third service because that's the, the service she attends. And so change it up here and there. Go to third service and say hi to her. She'll be at all our events. You'll see her tonight taking pictures and just all that kind of stuff. So she's still here, um, just different like kind of stage presence, I guess, so to speak, for her, her part. And we're just really excited uh, that she found someone. And here's the cool thing. she's found someone right here at the church, right? Uh, she found a follower of Jesus to get married to, and that's awesome. So yeah, good stuff in store for her, and life changes are going to begin to take place, right, in her life. But we're really excited For her in that role, and you'll see her here and there on stage too during some creative elements that we're going to have in our series to come. So you will get to see her here and there. Um, The second thing is, is uh, we brought on staff Karen Metzger as well to um, to be our prayer pastor. And one of the things I just got this little logo. I just love that right there. Is one of the foundations of our church is we got to be on our our, on our knees more, Um, and it starts with prayer. And that's why we've brought her on board and there's different initiatives we're going to do. But one thing this fall I'm really excited about is we're going to have like after every service. So no matter what service you attend, whether it's first, second, or third, we're going to have our prayer team ready for you over in this corner where it says experience prayer, where that banner is. The team is going to be ready for you. So if you come in here and you, you're, God moved in your heart, or you're just coming in here with a heavy heart anyways, and after service is done, the prayer team will move, uh, move to that corner. You'll see them, and you're going to just come up and just say, hey, can you just pray for me, whatever that is. Three weeks ago, I gave a message. It's okay not to be okay. And if we're all honest, we ought to be in this corner every single Sunday together. Amen? If we're truthful, we all need prayer. And so we're going to begin that. I say fall kickoff. What I mean by that is like the second week in September, so right after Labor Day, which is like, I should have looked, September eight. all right? We'll just go with September eight. That's the date, all right? So begin. If you want prayer during service, after service, it's always going to be open for you with people ready to pray for you, which is going to be awesome. Here's the other thing. What's cool with what... Uh, Pastor Karen's doing over here, is that these are in front of you. Every week, you probably see these in front of you on the bench there, our prayer card, our praise card. We really want to hear from you and have follow-up, so uh, Karen and her team is just beginning to do some systems and process on follow-up stuff as well. So please, fill out a prayer request. You got something heavy on your heart. uh, The team wants to pray for you. The staff wants to pray for you as well. But please don't forget, on the backside, there is those praises. We want to hear how God's answering your prayer, what God's doing in your life, how he's move in, and so we want to also lift that up and just say, God, you're good, and we want to see the goodness of God as well. So don't forget those. You can drop, They're always in front of you. Drop them off in the baskets when offering time comes on, and uh, we want to follow up with you that way. Also, real quick, I didn't say this for service. Um, we all get the handout when we come in, and the bottom's the connection card. Here's what I'm going to ask all of us to do. Can you please update us with your email? We're gonna start launching a, a communication via email maybe once a month or twice a month now, okay? Just heads up what's going on because we say we try to, here's what we try to do. Seven touches with you guys on anything that we do. Seven touches. That may be, for instance, tonight we have summer bash. We have over 20 people getting baptized two nights, <laughs> at Cade Lake at 5 o'clock. That's awesome, okay? So some of us are like, Summer Bash, what is that? I haven't even heard about it. Well, we try to announce it seven times to you. You are to have seven touches of Summer Bash. That may be four announcements of us verbalizing it, and it may be like three times it's in your handout. Summer Bash, Summer Bash, Summer Bash. But what we decided to do is also create a communication system via email to send out just reminders. And it's not gonna be a boring template. It's gonna be like, Cool, you know, cause I like cool. All right, it's gonna be a cool thing to be like, ah, oh, great. Oh yeah, when does that new series kick off? Boom, it's right there. Oh, I totally forgot about baptism. Boom, it's there. It's just another touch. So if you can get us your email and we'll be launching that soon as well. Update on that. All right. That's what I get. That's what I get for being gone for two weeks, right? You got some housekeeping stuff to do. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say four letters, here we come. Neil, one thing I like about this series, it's like a mystery. You never know what's coming. Just thought I'd share that. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's go. Hey, if you got your Bible, tablet, or phone, we're going to be in Judges. Judges chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 7. We're going to jump right in. So while you turn there, and it'll be on the Sky Bible, which means it'll be on the screens for you as well. And what we want to talk about real quick before we get to Judges chapter 9, verse 7, is we got to understand context. So we got to go back a chapter to Judges chapter 8, and I'll let you know what's going on. What happens to the Israel, the Israelites, God's people, is they were 400 years in captivity and oppressed, enslaved by the Egyptians. God raises up a guy by the name of Moses. Say, Moses, you're going to be the leader. You're going to get them out of that oppression and that slavery. And he does so. And he goes through the Red Sea and he gets them out to the wilderness. And a trip that's supposed to last only two and a half, three years tops to get them to the promised land, the land that God says, this is where my people are going to dwell, to get them there, they ended up wandering for 40 years in the desert. Wandering, and it's not just wandering because God was leading them, but what God in the 40 years was doing is he was getting Egypt out of them. 400 years generation after generation of generation understanding Egyptian religion and way of life and God says I'm going to I'm taking you out of that and I'm going to put you in this little land that it's called the promised land right there and it's the crossroads of all ancient traffic but if you're my people you got to look like me And they weren't, so he had to take, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them, and finally Moses dies, and a guy by the name of Joshua takes over, and he leads the conquest into that land, and begins to take over cities and towns, and begins to dwell now there. And all God's people are like, woo, this is awesome! And then they forget about God. And a foreign oppressor comes in and oppresses them. And then they cry out to God, oh God, help us! We don't like this, and God says, hey, I always hear the cry of the oppressed, and he frees them from it. And then they're like, yay, God! And then they forget God again. And another foreign group comes and oppresses them, and they cry out to God again, and God says, I hear the cry of the oppressed, and he sets them free again, and they're like, "Woo!" And then they forget God again. And they go through this cycle. And finally, a guy by the name of Gideon, which we find in the book of Judges, don't think of a judge as like our... Our systems that we have in the courtroom, they're, they're a political, spiritual leader of a group. And you got a guy by the name of Gideon who now the nation of Israel is like, hey, we need a king and we want you to rule over us. And Gideon says, I'm not going to rule over you, nor will my sons rule over you. God's your king. And here's how many sons Gideon had. He had 70 sons. He was one busy dude. That's funny right there. You think about that, hey, mm. 70, and he says, no, and it, but the problem is, one son, Abimelech, let me hear you say Abimelech, see, the problem with Abimelech, he didn't get that message, get his father, Gideon dies, so he rises up, and he says, hey, Israel, I know you wanted my father to be king, but would you want 70 of his sons ruling you, or you just want one ruler? They're like, oh, Yeah. One's probably better than 70. I can imagine 70 people trying to figure out what to do in this with us. Uh, one king, please. So Abimelech, what the writer of Judges tells us is Abimelech goes out and he hires reckless scoundrels, which is cool. It's like, I kind of want to meet a reckless scoundrel, but not kind of not, you know? Like, I wonder what they're like. And he goes and hires them, and they go out and he slaughters all his brothers, except the youngest, Jotham. Jotham escapes. And we're found leading into Judges chapter nine that Jotham climbs up to the top of a mountain and he's gonna give a story about what happened. A story about now his brother ruling the Israelites and comparing it all to trees. Let me give you a setup here. This is an actual uh, picture of of where this takes place. And this mountain hill on the left is Mount Gerizim. And on the right, you just have Mount Ebal, but we're told that Jotham climbs to the top of Mount um, Gerizim and he's gonna shout down to this city of Shechem where everyone is at. And here's where we pick up in Judges chapter 9, verse 7. Remember, Jotham is shouting this story about what just transpired, and he's comparing it all to trees. And he says this Listen to me, citizens of Shechem. So that God may listen to you. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the what tree? The olive tree. Note that. Hey, olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree answered, should I give up my oil? By which both gods and humans are honored to hold sway over the trees? Next, the tree said to the, what tree? The fig tree. Hey, fig, come be our king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit? So good and sweet to hold sway over the trees. Then the trees said to the vine, hey, come be our king. But the vine answered, should I give up my wine, which cheers both gods and humans to hold sway over the trees. And finally, the tree said to the what bush? The thorn bush. Hey, buddy, come be our king. And the thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. What in the world does a botany lesson have anything to do with us? Where are we going to get this four-letter word? Here's our four-letter word from this store, and we'll unpack it. It's the four-letter word, give. So turn to three people around you, give them a high five, and say, give it to me. One of the things that just gives me life is um, it kind of just it allows me to take a time out in life is just coaching. I love coaching. I love coaching my son in all the sports that he plays. I love coaching my daughter in soccer, and uh, I'm part of our eighth grade middle school football staff as well, and I want to take a time out and just say, pray for me because <laughs> they're middle schoolers, but here's, here's a really cool thing, our middle school Our eighth grade football staff are all followers of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And we get to coach these kids. That is awesome. And so, uh, I would share a story. Last year, uh, we had a kid, he was like a teddy bear. Um, And man, when he wanted to play, he would play. But uh, he gave us a little trouble early in the season. And uh, he was part of my group. I was coaching the offensive linemen and the tight ends. And on defensive days, I had to coach the defensive line, and he's on the D-line, and um, he would always, just at the beginning, just give us a little bit of attitude. You know, you know how middle schoolers are. Forgive me if you're in middle school. I'm picking on you a little bit. But sometimes you got a little attitude, right? And so he's got a little attitude and a little rough home growing up. And he always, at the beginning of the season, got down in his stance and bend over. And he's, he's just like teddy bear. Bend over. And he got down. And I came up to him. I said, hey, I see something. He goes, what's that, Coach Bib?" I said, are you a football player or are you a plumber? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Just think about it, boy. Just think about it. What's going on here? Over and over. And I finally said, I want a football player. I don't want a plumber. You got it? All right, Coach Bib. All right. Next day. Hey, Coach Bib. Got it figured out. Good. Good, because these eyes are tired of seeing that, all right? <laughs> I got to figure it out. All right, all right, we do, we do the warm-ups and, hey, drill time. All right, get down on the line. Here we go. Boom. It's going to be good, Coach Bib. All right, he gets down. I said, hey, what am I seeing now? A lot of orange, aren't you, Coach Bib? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of orange. I said, you know, I got a new nickname for you. He's like, what's that? I said, you're Orange Crush now. Your orange crush, why? That's all I see when you bend over now, boy. It's just orange. Yeah, I like that. I like that nickname, Coach. All right, you good? You good? All right. So, see, first game goes on, and we're on defense first. And I want to take a time out and tell you all: offense wins championships, not defense. Does anybody else agree or no? You know, like what? Anyone? Did? Here's why: you only win if you score points. Ooh. About that. I'm an offensive guy. That's why I don't even like defense. <laughs> just throw the ball. Let's go score. All right. Hey, that was a side note. Anyways, I love being back and teaching you guys. This is awesome. Anyways, so he's going down. He gets down, and it's just like, man, I'm coaching on the sideline. all I'm seeing is this orange out there. But it's better than the alternative. And what I just, I'm not liking his play at first. Our first game, I think we're playing South, uh, no, we're playing Otsego. And uh, he's standing up too much. And if you know football on the line, you stay low. low the lowest player wins. He's just standing to it. To he's getting driven back, standing up, standing up. So I'm on the sidelines. May I remind you, no one else on our football team knows I've nicknamed him Orange Crush at this point. Hey, Orange Crush. Yeah, coach. Stay low. All right. Yeah, all right. Start staying low, and he's hitting better, and he's moving. Now, now he, as a defensive player, are moving offensive lineman, which is what I want to see. Good job. Orange Crush. He comes over, hey, Coach Bibb. I said, yeah, give me some love and orange crush. Yeah. Next game rolls around. Hey, Coach Bibb, guess what I got on? You still orange crush? Yeah, baby. Got him. Huh? All right, all right. And this kid, all season long, changed his attitude. What I realized is I just started to give him life. He started opening up that in his own home, he's got no dad. He's got a little little chip on his shoulder towards males in his life. Because his view is, males, you just do what you want to do and you have no responsibility and you're just going to take off. You don't males don't really care about me. But for the first time, he felt like a male, cared about it. That kid was probably our, one of our MVPs that entire season last year. He even started coming to church. Every once in a while, he'll come to church. Hey, Coach Vib. Hey, Orange Crush. How you doing, buddy? All right but I began to just speak and give life to him. And it changed him. I had no idea in the past what his home life was until I started giving him that life and he just opened up. I felt bad. And I remember, again, all your coaches in eighth grade football are followers of Jesus. We pray before all of our games with the kids. We, just, we get them into the end zone and say, hey, whether you f- have a faith or not, respect us. We want to pray over you. And they're always like, yeah, hey, pray for us to win. I'm like, shut your mouth. I ain't praying for you to win. <laughs> just show up and win. How about that? But I remember, man, that kid's got a special place in my heart. It's special. You know, the kid's always, pray for us to win, pray for us to win. I'm going to pray that this hand smacks you across the head. Nah, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Where am I going? But in our verse, this is that we looked at in Judges, which is weird. It's like, what is a botany lesson? What is all this stuff? It's, what's interesting is when Jotham's up on that mountain giving that illustration of what's happening, he's giving us three examples of life-giving trees. The first, that remember that the trees went up and asked this one tree, will you be our king? It was the olive tree. The olive tree only grows and thrives in certain climates, and Israel is that perfect climate for an olive tree. It's got an incredible longevity. What's awesome about the olive tree is that it would produce 1,000 pounds of olives per year. You would get 20 gallons of olive oil in this tree alone if you had this in your yard. You wanted this tree just gave and gave and gave, low maintenance, but this is the tree when the trees went up and said, will you be our king? You're like a life-giving tree. We all want you, and it says, no, and then the next tree is the fig tree. This fig tree, these can grow huge and have an incredible shade to them. What's interesting about the fig tree is it's got these, I don't know if you can see, but these bottom leaves, all the leaves, it looks like a big glove or fingers coming out. And these are the exact same leaves that we're told in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve messed it all up in the garden, that they sewed together because they realized, ah, we're naked. And they sewed these leaves together to cover up their nakedness and their shamefulness. It's this tree. But what also is unique about this tree is it gives an incredible fruit called the fig. I don't like the fig. I got to try the fig when I was in Israel, and I'm like, this thing is nasty. But some people, it's like a delicacy. Like, you want it. It's super nu- nutritious. Nutrious? Nutrish? I don't <laughs> eat that stuff anyways. That's why I can't say the word. <laughs> Give me the sugar stuff, please. Um, it's super that word, new, it's got good nutrients, and uh, you want that thing. And this is the tree also says, I'll pass on that job. You want this tree in your yard because, again, this tree is like the olive tree, low maintenance, and it gives you everything. And then we're compared to another. The trees went to a third vegetation, and we're told it's, it's the grapevine. And you know what you get out of this You get some great grapes, you get some grape juice, you get some wine out of this. And this also says, no thanks, I don't want to be your king. And what's interesting is Jotham Jotham brings these three trees, the olive tree, the fig tree, the grapevine, which gives all life to people. You desired to have this. These three, even today in the ancient land of Israel, is known as the big three. And he's up there on that mountain saying, hey guys, hey Israel, (laughs) these trees, they want to become what you wanted them to become. But instead, you got my brother Abimelech. And one tree said yes to be your king, the thorn bush. An ugly little thing, also known as a bramble or the atad tree. This guy Came your king. What's interesting about this guy is that it produces a fruit. Nothing that you really want to see on your dinner table, but if you're like starving, you would eat it. It's super soury, sweet thing, and it's just like, "Mm -mm -mm," okay. But if you're really hungry, you'd eat it. But what's also interesting is it has a beautiful flower. Now it's got to be in season in order to do this. But Jotham's up there saying, listen, listen, your king is this thing. And here's the tricky thing about this. It's a thorn bush. Therefore, it's got nasty thorns. And at the edge, it's got super tall thorns. You see that, right? On the, towards the, as it goes towards the root system. But on the end, I want to zoom in on this thorn right here. On the edge of the branches, it has this hook thorn. So as soon as you go into a thorn bush, or as it grows bigger, begin to, now it's got you. You're mine. Try to go out because that hook is already there and it's going to hurt when you try. I got gotcha. you. Leading botanist, which I'm sure you guys are all going to go rushing out and getting this book now of botany in Israel. No guy, Her- Navini, writes about this tree. And here's what he says about the throne bush or the uh, Todd tree or the bramble. Those three words are interchangeable. It says this. It's a strong tree whose roots spread in a wide circle and compete with the roots of other trees with a vigor the fruit trees cannot rival. A farmer who wants his orchard to succeed must first uproot every atad or thornbush or bramble interchangeable in the vicinity, both small saplings as well as full-grown trees. What this thornbush does is is in Israel. It's got an intricate root system, and anything, any tree that wants to try to come and just house underneath it, go ahead. I'm going to pretend to have shade, but you try to escape. My little hooks are going to grab you, and as soon as you plant root, my roots are going to take over and kill you. And Jotham is up on that mountainside saying, listen, your king, you who you think is king, my brother Abimelech, let me compare him to a thorn bush. And here's the verse again in Judges 9.15. The thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, (laughs) come and take refuge in my shade. And you're sitting there going, now that we actually understand, don't you dare go take shade and refuge there because this thing is going to suck the life out of you. And Jotham is sitting there going, that is who's ruling over you now. One that will take life away. And I realize for us, there can be a divide in our lives. And we can be on one side or the other of this line. We can be on the left of this line, and this is us where we, we take. We're like that thorn bush. We take life and take just things away from people. Or we could be on this side of the line. And we can, can you hit the next slide? Please, sorry. Boom. Or we can give life. We can give nourishment to others. Think of this in your marriage. Do you take more than you give? Or with your friends? Are you more, are your friends like that? All they do is, all they do is take from me. And they're like, they're like life little suckers. They're life leeches. All they do, why doesn't my friend ever give themselves away and help when I need, but they're the needy one. They're the one that's always taking. What about that coworker? That one coworker that's in your head right now, that one? And you're like, ah, not that one. (laughs) Yes. Do you tend to take life away from them or give them life? Because I think our human nature is to take life. Our human nature in in sin is selfishness and pride and ego. But Jotham is sitting there going, no, 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 no. Live a life that gives to others and gives nourishment and refreshes others. Hey, Israel, you picked the wrong king. And then I sit there and think about what Jesus did in our lives. And, and in Peter we're told in 1 Peter, look at this. What, think about Jesus. And we all know Jesus is over here. But as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to follow. If I'm honest, there's a lot of times I am on this side. I tend to take more out of my marriage than I give into it. And here's what Peter says about this. Think about Jesus. He met he, he himself, Jesus, He He bore our sins. He took that from you on His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live righteousness. And by His wounds, you have been what, friends? You have been healed because the one Messiah, the Savior of the world, said, I'm going to give my life away for you to have freedom, to have healing, to have hope, to have abundance of life in this world. Do we do the same for others? Or do we just take? Do we just take advantage of? Or do we really sit back and say, you know what, Jesus, I need to give myself away more. I need to be that place where people want to come for hope and healing. So two quick things I want to say. How can we give? I want to give two things. Here's the tricky. I don't just mean money. I mean your time, your treasure, your talent, and your touch. You have those four things to give. So, two quick things I want to share with you. Two quick ways to do this. Here's first. Number one, show you care. Show you what? Care. See, here's what's hard. We may care, but we never slow down enough to actually show them we care. Right? What about that person at the water cooler that always seems to magically appear at the water cooler when you do? That person. That person, and you're like, oh, dear God, just fill this water bottle up quick, please, so I can leave. What would it look like for you to sit there and go, you know what? Just keep talking. I want to be in here. That person maybe go, what? Just, Just keep talking. I know I got some work to do, but you obviously have some things on your heart. Show them that you care. Does your neighbor know that you care for them? Oh, don't go there, Ryan. Do they? Let me get real. If you're married, does your spouse really know you care for them? Do your kids and grandkids, do your coworkers, do your boss, do your classmates really know you care? That's where you start. Take a time out from your 24-7 busyness, go, 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 go world, and just say, hey, what's on your heart? They may be like, who are you? (laughs) I'm a changed person. Here's the second thing. This is where it's going to get really practical for us. Be a blessing. Be a what, friends? (laughs) Because we can either take life or give life can be a blessing or be a nuisance, one or the other. Let's not be a church full of nuisance people. And I go back and I'm sitting there going, why would I ever want to be a blessing? Because of the words of Jesus in Matthew. He says this, you have been treated generously. You have, I have. So Jesus tells us, go and live how? Generously. Go be a blessing. Why? Because God has blessed you. Now it's not just for you. Go give it out. And then little Peter, or little Timothy. Timothy's a young little pastor. He's kind of the protege of like Paul. And he's, he's writing to this young pastor. He's like, oh, you're so little cute thing. And he's trying to help him and encourage him as he's in the church pastoring. And this is what he writes in Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, command them to do good. In other words, Timothy, command your church that you're pastoring to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous. And what are these three words? Willing to share. Willing to share. Why? Why would I ever want to share with someone? Why would I ever want to be rich in good deeds? Why would I ever want to be generous? Why would I ever want to give my time and my touch and my treasure and talents away? Why? Because Jesus gave you generosity. And we're to live that way. So here's a practical thing this morning. It's this hidden thing I've keeping hidden from you. This is going to be our initiative. It says, change your world one person at a time, share an act of kindness. I, we want to get real practical. So how do I give? What I want you to do is this will obviously we still got another service, but you'll begin to see these in our lobbies moving forward but right now these cards are everywhere they're on a table right there they're all out in that lobby but on the front well you can't even see that so let me let me get let me get big boy out here all right the card says in black or white show or something extra to show you god loves you just something extra to i went out of my way to give to show you God loves you. And then on the back of every card, it just has our burst, and it says, and so do we. The RadiantLife.Church, and it gives time. And I sat, and I'll share this. I never meant these cards to be about our church. And why would you put our church on the back then? Because I want them to know, if we're going to do an act of kindness, that there is a heavenly father, their heavenly father loves them, and there's a place to go that will love on you, and hopefully in our prayer is that you will experience Jesus. And I had to give you something, if you're in the moment of getting this card, and you're in a moment of pain and suffering, and all of a sudden you read this, something extra to show you God loves me, I felt so unlovable. And maybe there is a God that actually loves me and I needed to direct those people somewhere and just say, hey, and there's a church that will welcome you with arms wide open. And our prayer, no matter where you are in life and in the spectrum of your journey, we love you. We love you. So what am I supposed to do with this? What would it look like to go get coffee or a meal and pay for the person behind you and just tell the, cashier, hey, just give them that card when they come up. Or they come up and, hey, I'll pay, and why are, why are you doing that That's weird? Hey, I, we're just showing acts of kindness in our community, and I just want to give you that card. And just walk away. What does it look like to go mow your neighbor's yard, and they come out and say, hey, thanks, how much do I owe you? Nothing. Hey, I just want to give you this. Hey, I just want, I'm just doing it because we're called to give our lives away. I just want you to know God loves you. Here you go. What does it look like to bring donuts to work and just have that card laying on top for whoever comes in and just says, wow, I needed some sugar in my life. Hey, I'm having a bad day right now too. Wow, God loves you. Why would we ever do this? Because I believe as we wrap up, if we give ourselves away, one act of kindness done in the name of Jesus can make an incredible difference in someone's life. Incredible difference. So this is just a practical tool in our hands. I'm serious. Just, 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 get, just get yourself a whole bunch and just stick it right there in your pocket. Very simple. What would it look like for you to go out to eat Say your meal's $50, and you tip
1: $50,
2: <laughs> and you just leave this card. You know what's awesome about these cards, too? I think I think I, I was out in the lobby. I think I heard JB mention about um, one of our salvations that just happened this past week. Did you guys hear that? Did JB tell you? Shh. <laughs> I don't know if you told like in the middle of the parking lot at Walmart, it's not a pastor's job to get people saved, it's your job too. You can bring him here, we got some cool knowledge that maybe some of us don't, okay, that's cool. You've got the message that I have as well. What would it look like? i say, hey, I'm praying for you. But you gotta know, my, my, one of the pastors I look up to I'm I'm, I'm closing, I'm closing. This is the conclusion to my conclusion. (laughs) Because I'm running late. Worship team, Brandon, make your way up, make your way up. One of the pastors I highly look up to, this is what they do. And he got a story. And in the midst of that story, he got an email. The church did. And the person said, I had decided that morning I was going to go shoot myself when I got done from work. And I happened to go out to eat for lunch, my final meal. And I went through the drive-thru. And when I pulled up to the window to pay, they said, the car in front of you already paid, but they wanted me to give you this. and it was this card that said something extra to show you God loves you. And that woman is now saved and serving the Lord because of one act of kindness. Our community is full of broken people, friends. Another suicide this past week. Jesus changed the world with one act. What can you do with one small act of kindness? I close with this quote from Mother Teresa. She says, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. That's great to hear. Friends, let's go do it. Let's go do it. So Father, I know some of us may get even more excited because there's extroverts that love doing this and there's people like me, introverts, that this stretches me. Father, give us the courage. May we really reflect you to this community. (sighs) One act of kindness changed the world when you sent your son Jesus to die for us. May we just do something small, done in your name, can have an incredible impact. Give us the power, give us the strength, give us the courage, even though some of us may not even want to pick up one of these cards, and may we be in tune in your spirit to know when to use it. May we be your hands
1: and your feet. We pray this in Jesus' name.